Hello, my good friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and we're going to move on ahead, and we're going to do the readings for December 20th, which is this Monday. So we're in the fourth week of Advent, fourth week of Advent. So let's begin. Uh, before, please subscribe and share if you like the podcast. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is uh, the entrance antiphon, which is uh, from Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 1. It's a combination also with 40, verse 5, and Luke, chapter 3, verse 6. A branch shall sprout from the root of Jesse, and the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth and all flesh will see the salvation of God. One more time. A branch shall sprout from the root of Jesse, and the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. A branch shall sprout from the root of Jesse, and the glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, the branch sprout from the root of Jesse. This is referring to uh, David's father. David is the son of Jesse. And it's beautiful that it's it um, mentions Jesse's name. And this branch, obviously, David sprouted from Jesse, but it's also a reference to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joseph his his uh, foster father, stepfather, um, is is a descendant from that line. But so also is is our blessed mother Mary. But this ultimately, this um, branch, this root, is fulfilled in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the glory of the earth will fill the whole earth. This is the gospel. This is the fulfillment of the covenant that God made to Abraham. And this is, again, uh, referencing to the salvation that will go out to all nations. And all flesh will see the salvation of God, referring to the redemption of, the, of all people, both body and soul. Uh, basically saving us from the sin that, that has been passed down to us from our first parents, Adam and Eve, because of the disobedient, disobedience with God. And because the sin that's in our lives we, makes us rebel and block God's love, God's salvation. But in Jesus, um, in his body, in his life, and in his priesthood, in his soul, because he willingly came down and became one of us and willingly became the Lamb of God that will save us. Okay, let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. 
Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision. O God, eternal majesty, whose ineffable word the Immaculate Virgin received through the message of an angel, and so became the dwelling place of divinity, filled with the glory of the Holy Spirit. Grant, we pray, that by her example we may in humility hold fast to your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So now the first reading is going to be from Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 10 to 14. Isaiah, chapter 7, 7, verse 10 to 14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld, or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David, is it not enough for you to weary man? To weary men, must you also weary my God? Therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. So let's read it one more time. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 10 to 14. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David. Is it not enough for you to weary men? Must you also weary my God? Therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. Most famous <clears throat> prophecy, the most, probably alongside, because it's in the same book, Isaiah, where we get Isaiah 53. The suffering servant. This here is the most beautiful, but also unfortunately, in our modern culture, um, especially in the uh, the church itself, uh, the Catholic Church today, I wouldn't say it's the problem with Vatican II. It's the way Vatican II has been hijacked. I've always said that, and I and I and I do agree with it. Um, in this Novus Ordo, new order, unfortunately, the NAB, New American Bible, decided in its uh, revised edition, recent revised edition, to change this from Virgin to young woman. 
You see, the Hebrew can be translated young woman or maiden, which is a young woman. But the maiden can also refer to a virgin in the Hebrew context. In the Subduagent, which is the Greek translation of this, of this same text, Isaiah, it goes along with the Subduagent simply says, the, the rabbis, the 70 rabbis who translated, whether you want to believe it's real or they were uh, a legend, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, they, they were real. Why wouldn't they be real? And why would we be questioning it? Trent decided to, to explain the meaning of the text by saying virgin. They translated by trying to explain it because they knew there were certain words that were not equivalent in other languages. So in the Greek translation, they decided to uh, translate by also by interpreting the meaning as close as possible so that they can help non-believers, non-Jews, Gentiles to understand the meaning of the text. This particular translation became very popular among the diaspora Jews, Jews living in Gentile lands who spoke Greek. So this translation of the Subduagent went far as wide where Jewish Hellenistic communities lived. Uh, wherever the Roman Empire was, there were Jews there. Uh, North Africa, the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, Italy, Greece, um, you know, as far, as far off as, uh, as uh, Gaul. And Britain, if we can go, we can say that there were communities there. And this is the language they used, the Subduagent. And it became the received text, those same communities that became Christian because of the missionary of the apostles, St. Peter, St. Paul, Andrew, um, James, uh, Barnabas, these, these people who became Christian brought the Subduagent into the church. And technically the New Testament, the New Testament, which was written in Greek, Paul and, and much of the, the gospel writers quoted far more from the Subduagent than directly from the Hebrew. And this can be seen in the New Testament text. The New Testament quotations of the Old Testament was the Subduagent Greek version of the Jewish Bible. And for some reason, I don't know why, but our modern translators in the church today seem to reject the new, the, the Subduagent. Not that we should reject it, and I don't think we should reject the Hebrew. I think we need to accept both. And we need to accept the fact, because if you look at Matthew, or um, the translation of Luke, it tends to quote the Subduagent. It sticks with the Subduagent version of Isaiah. But for some reason... Um, our modern translators um, want to go with the Hebrew. And the Hebrew is what 
uh, catches people off guard because the Hebrew doesn't you there is a word for virgin in Hebrew, but like I said, the text wants to go not just for the literal, but what's behind the meaning. Because sometimes you, even if you translate something literally, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean the word that you use in the whatever language you're translating and may not may not catch the, the direct meaning. It may not it may not realize that even though it's literal, it may be a metaphor. It may be an uh, an allegorical. Sometimes you're going to have to go behind the meaning of the word so that you can help your reader understand it. It's it's this way in any language, in any language. It's it, you know. It's there, like you know. I always say, like when I saw the Passion of Christ, and the apostles were asking Jesus, "Do you, you know?" Is there anything you want us to do? Do you want to go warn the others? And he said, no. And he, as he's walking away, he said the word salu, which means pray. But it wasn't just the way he, uh, in fact, he said pray. It's the way he said it that got you the meaning like, I told you to pray. Like an order. And I got that. You know, I got that because there's a way you say something that in, in in languages that you have to hear it in order to capture the intensity, the meaning of the word, the meaning of what the person's saying, that it wasn't just pray, it was an order to pray. And I think the problem is we missed, you know, in, in, in our in our desperation for purity, of, of literal text, we kind of lost um, more the sense of the meaning behind behind the word. And I think that's what these rabbis, these translators of the Subduagent were trying to help the non the non-Jewish community, the, the Gentile community to understand it. And, you know, it's it's something to think about. And I and I have to say uh, sadly you know, Taylor Marshall today, uh, in one of his programs, when he refers to the New American Bible, he he took the term, uh, the initials NAB, and he kind of like made made a uh, a joke saying, "I always recall it, not not a Bible," <laughs> and I thought that was pretty clever. But it, I I do agree, <clears throat> the New American Bible is very troublesome. Uh, not just translation-wise, but the footnotes are horrible. The footnotes attack the text, attack it, and destroy faith. It's basically footnoted by very hostile people towards the scriptures. All right, let's move on. Psalm 24. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who can who may stand 
in his holy place. He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, and whose desires not what is vain. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God, his, his Savior. Such is the race that seek for him, that seek the face of the God of Jacob. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. One more time. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. The Lord's are the earth and his fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, whose desires not what is vain. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that's, that seek for him, that seek for the face of the God of Jacob. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. Alleluia, alleluia. A, o key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom. Come and free the prisoners of darkness. Alleluia, alleluia. O key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom. Come and free the prisoners of darkness. Alleluia, alleluia. O key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom, come and free the prisoners of darkness. Alleluia, alleluia. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, 26 to 38. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? And 
The angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord prays to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall come and you shall call his name Jesus. He, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for nothing would be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most famous, popular, familiar passages. Usually it's read around March. Because from March... Um, you count for you count forward it's nine months till Christmas <laughs> once you get to March you know and this passage is being read uh people know automatically you know from the time of the Annunciation onward and you know you you know for yourself like wow you know so we're nine months we're nine you know we're nine months away and you automatically realize that you know and it's you know for the liturgical calendar for Catholics that's very familiar, very, you know, and, uh, and also a, a signal. <laughs> I guess you got to do your Christmas shopping or prepare. 
but it's a very beautiful passage. It's a lovely passage. It's a very poetic passage. One that so many artists have painted, made a painting of, um, celebrated in poetry, celebrated in, in art, um, celebrated in prayer in meditation icon is, uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, uh, I think one that we take for granted now these days, unfortunately in our secular culture, we do, we don't, you know, you know, now in our extremely fanatical secular culture, we, we unfortunately discard and I think that's the most saddest, saddest thing in the world. I mean, the other day, uh, I was watching a little, little something on YouTube on the famous, infamous George Soros. Um, he, um, I didn't know he, he could speak, uh, Esperanta, which is like a a language that was invented for, um, it was supposed to be for the European Union, and uh, Soros comes from a, a Hungarian Jewish family, not religious, not religious in any sense of the word word at all, and um, Soros um, adopted. A very uh, universalist leftist ideology, and um, you know he, you know he, he invested into it. He was really, he really invested into this ideology. And he, he one thing about him, he had a gift of making money. He had a, a very good gift of making money. He, you know, he and he when he made his trillions i'm going to say trillions because he's the world's most richest man he he really dedicated himself to what he believed was an open society an open society and i think the more the more the society i think was more secular the more the society was more uh uh, diverse, what he felt, the more he must have believed he, and I think he still believes it. He feels it's safer. But I think with someone like him, with all the cash flow, I don't really think he really he really understands that not all people share that view. That old people, uh, because I don't think he lived or came from a religious home. I think part of him wanted to escape it, to escape that past. And I think a lot, a part of him wanted to also really looked at it from that people have to be molded and People have to drop their identities, their their religious views, and I 
And I think because there's a lack of understanding on that view, uh, that he didn't understand. I don't think he really, in a, he was given that opportunity to appreciate what those identities meant to people, what the faith meant to people. You know, it's true. On one hand, you have a very strong view of Hitler. Again, a totalitarian view that wants to shape and mold humanity, that believes humanity is like a puppet or a clay. And powerful people, when they look at the world, they don't see the world. I've always said this. They see themselves. They don't see people. They don't see people's identities. They don't see people's faith and cultures and their traditions. They despise them. They want people to abandon them. And then on the extreme left, again, hating and despising people's religious views and traditions, again, believing that people, you know, believing uh, in their view, a more open <clears throat> and, and uh, diverse society, right? Believing that society can be progressive, can be uh, free from what they believe is the um, the oppression of religious views. It's the same thing. It's just the same thing, you know, but a more hidden Hitler, a more hidden Stalin. Right? A more, um, a society where um, people's um, untamed, uncontrolled passions let loose recklessly without consequences, right? Because, you know, on one side, you know, you, you had people like Marx say that uh, uh, religion is the opium of the people. That's bullshit. That's, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's true. I'm sorry to use that word, but it's, it, it, it's true. It's absolutely nonsense. It's absolutely, it's absolutely complete nonsense. The real opium of the people is, the, is their uncontrolled passions, their lusts, their perversion. Without moral, without a moral compass, without a moral fence, without a, without a, a, um, a without the, the spiritual guidelines that, that reveal that their passions become cancers. It becomes absolute. You know, it's like basically this, all right? It's like, um, the truth is, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's giving a baby an atomic bomb. It's giving a teenager, right, a nuclear missile. And then giving him alcohol and drugs. Right? Or putting them behind the wheel of a car. And... Watching, watching them kill, go over a cliff. 
That's what it all is. That's what it all is. It's never this whole thing that religion is the cause of the problem. No. People always say that, and they always like they they'll always point to the Crusades. They'll always point to the Inquisition. They'll always point to, to to all those, um, you know, the the unfortunate incidents that happen. I mean, religion technically, yeah. If you if you uh, it's like basically like I said, you know, you you're giving you're giving uh, a kid. The control of the wheel. You're giving someone the control of the wheel. People who have this this thing about religion, basically, it's a guilt complex. It's a it's it's a shame problem. It's not religion. All right, it's bad people, but it's not religion. We all know that. We all know that. And I mean, look at Nietzsche. Nietzsche was not religious. Nietzsche, Nietzsche was not religious at all. Nietzsche's problem was was the fact that he was like a, he was like a teenager behind the wheel of a car with uncontrolled, untamed passions, and he went over the cliff. He went over the cliff. Karl Marx is the same thing. He had uncontrolled passions and he also was a megalomaniac. He wanted, he wanted to shape the world into his view and he was destructive. He was, he was a horrible person. He was destructive to his family. He was destructive to his relationships. It was all about him himself. And he couldn't and he didn't want he didn't want to admit it. Faith. Faith is especially you can't faith in Jesus Christ. He teaches us how to be human. He shows us because he himself is the true ultimate model. He, humanity belonged to him. He showed us how to think. He showed us how to act, how to talk, how to solve problems, how to pray, how to get close to God because he is God. The old, or everything that we ever wanted to know about ourselves comes from him. Everything we wanted to know about being perfect, be perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. He showed us. He showed us how to love. He showed us how to walk. He showed us how to suffer how to bear pain, how to make our suffering holy, how to make our friendships holy, how to make every hour and every minute of the day holy, how to offer it up as a sacrifice, how to, deal, how to make pain holy, how to make sadness holy. 
how how to how to how to use our gifts how to make our gifts our skills holy how not to how not how to live with god how to live for god how to live in god in him and he's still with us to this day and he's still showing us this and the problem with the world is that they want to live for themselves they're selfish they want to live for themselves and, you know, I'm still struggling with it. I'm not by any means have I solved it. I mean, I, I, you know, because we, we, we deal with every, a, a world where we're working and we got to get up in the morning and time goes by so quickly that even I, my, I find myself overwhelmed. I mean, I, I'm glad that I have some time off and unfortunately with the, since my vacation began, unfortunately, I've let time slip by because I'm so relaxed and I don't have to get up and struggle and go to go on that train and, you know, coming home with the doing the overtime. It's difficult. It's difficult. I'll admit, even when you think you can't, you got it, you, you got it solved. You didn't. <laughs> You didn't by any means. You just, you know, you just figured maybe something out. But when you put it to practice, it's it's a lot different. But when we come here, when we, you know, what the Christian story begins with Mary. It begins with her. The love affair, the romance with God begins with her. The the presence of God in human life begins with her. You know, a Protestant minister's uh, Methodist minister found out the gospel begins with her. The gospel of practicing and loving Jesus begins with her. Loving God and having a romance with God begins with her. The part where, you know, I was naked and you clothed me. That began with Mary, with Jesus. The seed of God that sowed in the, in, in, in the soil, in, which is in the heart, begins with her. She welcomed him as a seed. She welcomed the word of God. And in her, it became a kingdom. It became Jesus. Uh, bearing fruit, it, it begins with her. Right? You know, I you know, I was lonely and you comforted me. It began with her. She welcomed him when he was a baby boy, when he was a little boy and he was learning how to walk, uh, needed a hug. It began with her. It began with Our Lady. You know, I was sick. I mean, you know, I know he probably didn't get sick, but I mean, there's a lot we don't really understand about the incarnation, about, you know, because people question, did he get sick? Did he have a cold? It would probably to us be natural that he would, but sickness and, and disease comes from sin and he had no sin. 
So I would have to imagine no. Right? The same way a lot of people say when she gave birth to him, uh, you know, it's natural for us to believe that she gave birth in pain. But pain in childbearing comes from the state of fallen sin. And no pain, no pain in childbearing would be the natural state that we were meant to be in. You see how we think pain and suffering is normal for us. Sickness and disease is part of human existence and we've accepted it as normal. That would not have been for her as the Immaculate Conception. So we would think that's not normal. No, that is normal. That is right. That is what we were meant to be. We were meant to be with no pain and no sickness. Our first parents reached out and accepted pain and sickness, which became our heritage, our no, our inheritance in a, in, in a state of original sin. So, like I said, but Jesus comes comes along and what he does is he helps us to weaponize it for our salvation, to weaponize it for grace, to, to weaponize it, to weaponize it to win heaven. That's what Jesus came and showed us. And that's what we need to do. All right, I'm going to end it here. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.